Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect, Bill. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your new and improved Miami Dolphins, now part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network and the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. I am Sam Marcoux, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer, of course, I'm talking about none other than the good doctor of soul and funk and all things Miami Dolphins, Dr. Christopher Cullen. Chris, how in the hell are you, my friend? I'm going to self-diagnose myself with fucking feeling awesome. That's Ooh. how I am. Because a week ago, tonight, we were live on Instagram, Sam, and we were shitting ourselves, wondering what's going to happen. And uh, all things considered, I'm very happy man after the draft. Yep, yep. In case you guys missed it, and I know a lot of you did, we were actually live on Instagram Live during the first round of the NFL draft. That was one week ago today. It is Thursday, one week into the Tua regime. And uh, let's just get right into it, Chris. I mean, uh, spoiler alert, the Miami Dolphins with the fifth overall pick in the first round of the 2020 draft select quarterback out of Alabama, Tua Tungavaloa. Or something very close to that. Uh, the prize of the draft for the Miami Dolphins for uh, at least 12 months, if not 18 to 24 months, uh, the Miami Dolphins get their guy. They get to uh, they get their quarterback of the future. Um, despite all the injuries, despite all the you know question marks about it, uh, despite um, you know whether they were going to have to trade up or trade down. Uh, at the end of the day, they stayed put at number five. Mm-hmm. They got the quarterback that they've long been rumored to want, and. Um, He's here in Miami. He's a South Beach quarterback now. Tua Tungavaloa, Tungavaloa, Tung, Tung, Tua is the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> and by the way, that's you admitting I won my first bet. So uh, we definitely didn't draft. We drafted somebody very two guys in the first round. Very difficult to uh, announce their names. But let's stay with Tua. Sam, I'm a I'm a sucker for good movies and good writing. Um, you couldn't have had hired Hollywood scriptwriters to if they're doing like a football draft movie which they've done i think with kevin costner and i've not seen it because it looked terrible uh plus he was with the browns who does that but um to write chris greer and what he did jeff darlington after the draft a guy who i trust a lot with being very well inside the miami dolphins organization he started down there i think with the herald or maybe the post um and maybe even the the sentinel i'll I'll just say all three so one of them's right like most of these uh draft pundits which is hilarious by the way these guys know nothing because the um scoop was we're trading up we're trading down we're taking a tackle we're trading up to take a tackle we're trading up to keep the fifth and get the third and getting burrow meanwhile chris greer and jeff darlington admitted to it going back to my first point that literally he was duped like he felt like you know he got left you know he had to do the walk of shame after a party if you bang a dude you don't even know what his name is and you get to walk through all his friends like whoa there she is that was jeff darlington and all these writers everybody mel kuyper todd mcshay all of them got left at the altar and chris greer and flores were literally quote literally quote laughing hysterically at some of these reports that were coming out they did a hell of a job 
of completely just they're just tossing smoke bombs all week, month long. Two was our guy all along. We didn't have to move to do it. In fact, we gained a pick because we moved back a little bit in the first round and still got our guy at corner and uh, got a fourth round pick. And we got Tua sitting at five. The guy we wanted all along, the tank for Tua hashtag was there a year ago. We won a couple of games because Flores is really good at what he does. And we still sit at five and get our guy. Sam, it, it just was fucking poetry in motion. It really was. And like you said, there was so much smoke up there. It looked like uh, Snoop Dogg's bedroom. You know what I mean? Like there was just so much that was out there. And I fell for it too. I have a guy who actually is way in with the Detroit Lions. And he told me months ago, they're not going anywhere but but Akuda. That is who they want. That is exactly who they want. And I fell for it too because after everything you see, I mean, how could you not? I mean, everyone in the world's telling you, hey, they have a deal. Uh, they're going to move up to number three to get Tua or they're going to get keep the number five and the number three like you suggested and go up to number one and go get Joe Burrow. And I was going, oh God, I hope we don't do that. I hope we don't do that. End of the day, they stay at number five. They get the quarterback that they've long coveted, uh, who's starting to show that his hip is recovered. I mean, there are some question marks there. So you got some things going on. You've got a guy who's uh, got significant injuries and has a lot of uh, either nagging injuries or things that seem to keep popping up. Um, and that's what you're going to have with Tua. I mean, he's a left-handed quarterback. So there's just a couple of stats here that I think were just tremendous when you look at this pick. Number one, we obviously didn't trade up or down, right? We stayed right there at number five. We mm-hmm. let the draft board uh, fall where they may. We didn't even have talks with Detroit. Like to your point, they were laughing about all the reports that were out there. I mean, that's how well they played this whole thing. Uh, number two, this is the highest pick the Miami Dolphins have used on a quarterback since Bob Greasy. Wow. Back in the 1960s. That was the last time the Miami Dolphins used a top five pick in the first round on a quarterback. I mean, think about how much they must think of Tua if they are willing to do that. I mean, they didn't do that with Dan Marino. They obviously didn't do that with Ryan Tannehill. They didn't do that with any other quarterback that they've ever drafted other than Bob freaking Greasy. And that turned out okay for the Miami Dolphins. Turned out quite fine if I understand. He has a couple of championships. So I think that works out great. Um, And a yellow jacket. And a yellow jacket, which I have two of, um, so I'm better than Bob Greasy. But um, I'm also as drunk as Bob Greasy right now, so that's fun. Um, <laughs> him and Dick Stockton and Nat Moore just going crazy. Man, I can't wait till preseason. This quarantine's got me going crazy. But, Sam, I'm just in a giddy mood. I, I'll, I'll just start there. I'm in a giddy mood. Tua is who we wanted. And if he did not get injured, you mentioned the injuries. If he did not get injured, he for years – is what we talk about Trevor Lawrence right now. Everybody knows he's going to be the number one pick next year. So uh, that was Tua. Everybody knew this guy. He stepped in balls. I mean, he needed a wheelbarrow to carry his balls out, beating Georgia in the national championship game. He fills in for Jalen Hurts at halftime, 18 years old, a fucking wet behind the ears freshman, and all he does is lead against well, a really good Georgia defense at the time. Uh, looks up, uh, looks off a of safety and throws a fucking like 40, 50 yard touchdown pass to win the national championship. That's all he did. That's all he did in his first game, his first no reps. Deal. Like, yeah, no big deal. Well, fine. Uh, so we know he can meet the big moment. Uh, we know you can do that. Trent Dilfer is literally has laid on a sword for this kid. He's known him for a while, so he is he is self admittedly very biased. So, uh, but I will take his word for it. He's been working with him. If and it, the if is the word. If if and long as if he is healthy, Sam, we just change this entire franchise around. And uh, it's not it's not just you know oh yeah cool now maybe eight nine wins and while no, no no like we're in the top echelon of teams now consistently like the Seahawks, like the 49ers are going to be and like the Packers and like the Patriots were with Tom Brady. Like we're just going to be a shoe in in the playoffs. And then everyone else 
is like, oh, who's going to be the wild card after the Dolphins? If Tua is his self, he's one of the best pure passers in college football in a long time. A lot of people saying a left-handed Drew Brees. And I think uh, I speak for you, Sam. I would take Drew Brees all day. Well, here's the thing. Uh, there's a couple of things here. Number one, um, ironic that you bring up Trent Dilfer because I'm about to make the point that you cannot win in this league unless you have good quarterback play. Uh, Trent Dilfer is the exception to that rule because he won <laughs> the Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens, but that defense was on another planet, not even Rex another level. Rex Grossman They're... would like to have your number, sir. Yeah, I mean, it's just you're talking about two defenses there with the Bears with Rex Grossman and Trent Dilfer with the Baltimore Ravens that yes. we don't have, quite frankly, and most people people don't have. That's why you talk about those defenses. That's because they were that good. Uh, the other thing that I find terribly coincidental or ironic is that who is the guy, I mean, you said left-handed Drew Brees, but who is the comparison that every pundit out there is comparing Tua to? Uh, and I'm setting you up for this, but who is the, the left-handed quarterback that Tua Tungo Valoa is most compared to uh, since he's been drafted by the Miami Dolphins a week ago? Who is the most left-handed quarterback? No, who is who is the quarterback that he is most um, compared to? Uh, I'll just give you the All answer. I've heard is Drew Brees. Okay, Drew Brees, left-handed Drew Brees. Here's the one that I keep hearing. He is the next Steve Young, which to me is terribly ironic considering Sorry, Steve Young was the it. one that was complaining the entire time, the entire season, <laughs> about how the Miami Dolphins were dangerous and they needed to be investigated because they were putting the current players in danger. No, they're not. What they're doing is drafting the reincarnated version of you, you twat. And here he is for the Miami Dolphins now at pick number five, Tua, the quarterback of the future. Now, here's the thing. Uh, I don't know that Tua starts right away. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick oh. is your starting quarterback, which leads me to the next pick. A lot of people are scratching their head at this pick, but the number over, uh, 18 overall pick, offensive tackle out of USC, Mr. Austin Jackson. He is a bona fide, certified, 100% left tackle. Um, you get yourself a, a replacement for Laramie Tunzel in the first round. You get yourself a guy who can sit there on the corner and just push people around and be a bully. You get a big, fat, talented guy that can sit there and protect the left side of the line where your pass rushers typically are. Now, granted, Tua is left-handed, so the right tackle and pass pro probably becomes a little bit more of a concern than left tackle. But here's the thing. You still need somebody on the left side of that line to protect. You still need somebody on the left side of that line to push off all those people like, you know, J.J. Uh, Watt and all those other, you know, sack masters that are out there. And by the way, Ryan Fitzpatrick is your starting quarterback as of right now, and he is right-handed, so he would much appreciate having a left tackle like Austin Jackson sitting there protecting his blind side. What do you think of Austin Jackson at the 18 pick in the first round? I like to pick too many people put too much into like a left tackle and a right tackle. Um, there's not a lot of left-handed quarterbacks. So I, I said it in the last episode, not our live stream, but the episode before that right tackle is a uh, lot easier to get than a stud bona fide left tackle. But here's the thing, Sam, we still need to run the football. We still need linemen and you can still get sacked from the non-blind side. So we still need a left tackle. We still need a guard. We still need a center. Like that's, we still need those guys. And Austin exactly. Jackson fits the bill. And a lot of the guys that I like, and I, and I follow on Twitter and things like that, love to pick because this guy is 20 years old, Sam. He can't even buy a beer to celebrate him being drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. He is 20. He is green. He is very well on his way to, if he takes the coaching, being a stud. He is an athletic freak. He is 20 years old with long arms, left tackle, at a big powerhouse conference of you in, in, a, in a team of USC where he is going to come in now and he's going to get to play with these guys with Ryan Fitzpatrick. 
Well, it added the running game, which we'll talk about a little bit later, and um, just come in here with a coaching staff that's going to take care of them, and that's what you want, man. And, and I, I like the pick. Was it something that was like I was, you know, jumping in the air like Larry Tunzel fell to us? Which I don't know if somebody's going to say something. I obviously disagreed with it at that time, but it was a great pick. Um, no, but is he the 18th overall? And we had three of them. Sure, like that, we need to shore up our offensive line, and we still need left tackle. We still need a right tackle. Still need a center, two guards. That that's it. Yeah, to me, Austin Jackson is one chapter in a very long book that is the 2020 Miami Dolphins NFL Draft. And here's the other thing. To your point about left-handed quarterbacks, yes, Tua is a left-handed quarterback. Do you know who the last left-handed quarterback who to throw a pass in the NFL was, Chris? Michael Vick. Kellen Moore uh, for the Dallas Cowboys back in like 2016 or 2017. Left-handed quarterbacks don't come along that often. The left tackle protecting the right-handed quarterback blindside is crucial. And to your point, you still need five offensive linemen to do their very, very best. And if you can get one in the first round, typically when you get left tackles in the first round, it's because they're so good that you go, I have to pass on a quarterback or a wide receiver or a defensive lineman because this offensive tackle is so good, I can't pass him up. It worked for us with Laramie Tunzel. He turned around and it us two first round picks and a second round pick. Uh, he's now the highest paid left tackle in the entire league. I mean, this is what happens. Left tackles that are good go early and Austin Jackson is good. So he's going to well, be the left tackle of the future. And here's what I'll say too, Sam. I'd rather take Tua and they get Austin Jackson at 18 than pass on Matt Ryan and get Jake Long at number one because Bingo. we didn't win one goddamn Super Bowl with Jake Long. Now, did the Falcons yet? No, but he's still in the league and he's been there and it's they not his there. fault that is. Yeah, they went there and it's not his fault that he lost. Honestly, the play calling defense was atrocious. He did everything he could to win that game. So do you take a left tackle at one and a quarterback later? We've tried that. We've tried to experiment and it failed. You get to a, and you get an Austin Jackson, a, a, the third best left tackle at 18. I love it. No, I think it's a great pick. And then moving on, we still had one more pick in the first round here, Chris. Um, this is the first trade that we actually made. We, this is the first time we actually traded up or down in this fact, in this, in fact, in this, in this case. <laughs> Noah's a nice guy. Be careful. I'm sorry. I've been drinking. Uh, in this case, we traded down. We had the 26th pick. We traded down to the 30th pick. We traded to the Green Bay Packers, who went up and actually shocked the first round by going and getting a quarterback uh, with our pick that we originally got from the Texans. We trade down to number 30 and get cornerback out of Auburn, Noah Igbenegeni. That's as close as I'm ever going to get. <laughs> Noah I. Noah I. <laughs> Noah I. And now this is interesting to me. This isn't a guy that I really tracked. Now, I watch a lot of SEC football. Uh, I, I know who he was, but it wasn't a guy that was on my radar whatsoever, mainly because he was um, playing a position of strength for the Miami Dolphins. But this guy is universally loved when you look at all the draft grades, the draft grades the Miami Dolphins are getting uh, CBS for, for example, gave him an a plus. They gave this an a plus pick. The highest grade mm. we got for all 11 draft picks that we got was this pick right here. Noah, Igbenegenehi, who um, goes to a very talented, very expensive defensive backfield for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, first round talent, uh, somewhat almost seemed like a luxury pick for a team that went five and 12 last year. But what are your thoughts on Noah? Bluby uh, 30th overall in the first round. When it first happened, I was like, oh, no, why didn't you get Dobbins? Why didn't you do that? Blah, right. blah, blah. Everything worked out because the more I've sat here these last seven days after the draft, I love this pick. Sam, SEC, Auburn. I mean, he's playing against Joe Burrow. He's playing against Tua. He's playing against, you know, from at Georgia. He's, he is playing in the SEC. This is a former receiver that moved a corner that has ball skills that like are just top notch. You wouldn't believe press corner. 
And all of a sudden, we can move McCain now with Rowe back at safety and put Noah I in the slot with Byron Jones, who he signed from the Cowboys, and Xavier Howard coming back healthy. Here's the best part about all of this, Sam. We're a team that's on its way. We're 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 ascending. We're an ascending franchise. Charlie Cashley, who's usually a douchebag and a piece of shit, oh. um, and I, well, I mean, I mean, he's not a douchebag. He's just annoying because he GM'd the Redskins in the seventies. They think he knows something, but and normally, you know, whatever, whatever he says. But he made a good point, and I do like this. I've been home all week, so I've been watching a lot of NFL now and uh, Total Access. But he said the 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 Seahawks had the Legion of Boom. The Patriots had a defensive backfield that just like, shut down quarterbacks. That's a great point. You build a championship team with your pass defense and with Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, and now Noah I at uh, the slot there in the nickel, all of a sudden he said, and I quote, they're on their way to the championship, like literally to a championship defense, and that's what you need because you add a guy like Ogba and Shaq Lawson and the guys we drafted and the guys we brought in, uh, a defensive end and pass rush with uh, Christian Wilkins and the, and the likes, you get a defensive backfield that makes a quarterback hold the ball an extra second, they're getting sacks. And that's something we didn't have last year. Literally, Taco Charlton, we cut today, had five sacks last year, led our team. That's not going to be the case next year. And believe me, Ryan Fitzpatrick will not be leading our team in rushing. This is a great pick. Like you said, a luxury pick. Is our third in the first, number 30 overall. We already got our quarterback. We already got our left tackle. Take your BPA, man. And that guy was sitting there, and you have to pull the trigger. Yeah, and you talked about Taco Charlton. We also let go of Tabor Pepper. My Dolphins are just purging all of the rotten food items in their closet there. Um, uh, we got rid of peppers. We got rid of tacos. We got rid of all the food there, Chris. But we'll talk a little bit more about that and why we did that in just a little bit. Uh, but this time we're talking about the draft. So those are our first three round uh, first picks in the third uh, god damn it i'm drunk first three picks in the first <laughs> round we get our quarterback of the future in Tua. we get our uh left tackle of the now in austin jackson and we get ourselves uh part of that uh, you know defense rebuilding that massive defense that we're talking about with noah i or i'm going to call him iggy with the 30th pick after a trade down with the green bay packers we pick up an extra fourth so the miami dolphins came into the draft with 14 picks they leave day one with three picks already made and an extra pick picked so that we had 15 picks going into day two Heading into day two, the Miami Dolphins picked 39th overall in the second round and pick up yet another offensive lineman, in this case, Robert Hunt out of Louisiana Lafayette. Um, now, this guy is a road grader. This guy is mean, Chris. I don't know if this is a guy that we want to actually hang out with. He might be a mean person. You're a nice guy. I'm a nice guy. He's a mean guy. But when it comes to being an offensive lineman, that's kind of what you want, is it not? That's exactly what you want. The hog mollies in the trenches. This guy is 6'5", 336 pounds, Sam, and he, like, enjoys beating the shit out of people. <laughs> like, he literally is like, what? Sir, I don't get in trouble for beating the shit out of that guy? Sounds great. And here's the best part about this guy is he's huge, um, but he's also a Texan. And I like that. He's from Texas, man. He, the, everything's bigger in Texas. He's 6'5", 336. I'll reiterate how huge he is. He plays guard, but there's a very good chance we move this guy. This might be our future right tackle, Sam. Yeah. This guy is a monster. He's a mauler. He will have. He has pancakes for breakfast every single day because Pancakes is his middle name. His name is literally Robert Pancakes Hunt, and he's 6'5", 336. Again, like that is just a gigantic behemoth of a man. Uh, Mel Kaper had him projected to be like a second round pick or something like that. And um, um, 
or I'm sorry, not a second round pick, but like uh, one of the top guards, and we got him late at 39. I absolutely love this pick. His feet are good. He's uh, agile for his size. And when I just turned on his highlight tape, I uh, I peed a little bit. Sam, he he is a gigantic man, and he just abuses people. Yeah, he was, he's like he's like that big, weird, ugly guy from Sin City who just enjoys getting into fights and beating the crap out of people. And I think he even said as much on his press conference. He's like, last I checked, I don't get in trouble for beating up defensive linemen, so that's what I'm going to go do every Amazing. single day of my life. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, you can suit it for the Miami Dolphins. Sure, why not? You know, that, that's the kind of mentality that you want out of an offensive lineman. You want a guy who's not afraid to get his hands dirty, not afraid to get a finger broken, not afraid to get his finger in the eye of a defensive lineman of the other team, or maybe even his own teammate, if we're talking about mini camp and training camp. Uh, this is going to be a guy who I think uh, come training camp, Chris, we're going to hear about some fights that are happening on the defensive side of the ball with a rookie <laughs> on the offensive side of the ball. And when we look that up, it's going to be Robert Hunt, offensive lineman, 39th overall. Yeah, he, he's a monster. He's going to get in fights with people, but he's also going to be the guy that Ryan Fitzpatrick takes to the club with him because he knows he's going to fucking ride or die all day with Fitzmagic. He is just one of those guys that you want on your side at all times because uh, he'll just beat the shit out of the guy in front of you without asking questions, and he loves football because he can do it legally, and that is amazing. I agree. I, I was thinking of that last uh, that last image that we saw at the end of last year where Ryan Fitzpatrick threw one of our players on his own back and rode him or was ridden into the locker room against the New England Patriots. I feel like Robert Hunt would – he would try to throw Robert Hunt on his back and Robert Hunt would be like, no, nah, young man, why don't you throw up on my back and we'll go – not throw up on my back, but, you know, get up onto my back. I'll throw you onto my back, not throw up on my back. They might be into it. I don't know. The Dolphins are weird. Ryan Fitzpatrick is weird. Maybe they're into that whole throw up thing. Uh, let's move on because I'm drunk. Uh, the, another, the next pick we had was uh, uh, actually still in the trenches you're going to see a theme here a couple things if you were to go back a couple episodes of perfect bill citizens uh you would notice that i talked about after free agency if you looked at what we did in free agency it seemed painfully obvious to me what the miami dolphins were going to do in the upcoming 2020 draft and that was to focus on offense 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 as well as big big men and beef up the trenches on both sides and that's exactly what they did with the 56th overall pick uh defensive lineman Raquan Davis out of Alabama Tua's teammate is now once again Tua's teammate we now have two Raquans on defense for the Miami Dolphins uh this wasn't a pick that a lot of people loved here Chris but what do you think of Raquan Davis big fat guy right in the middle of the defense there uh joining uh his uh his former foe Christian Wilkins from the Clemson Tigers and everyone else on the Miami Dolphins defensive line um, I'll keep it short and brief. Uh, two things. One, uh, Brian Flores is obviously a Wu-Tang fan. Um, <laughs> Wu-Tang ain't nothing to fuck with. Just like, uh, yeah, just like Robert Hunt and Raekwon Davis uh, and Raekwon McMillan. But <laughs> Raekwon Davis, two, here's, here's the second part. Watching the draft, Sam, Brian Flores was more excited for this pick than any other of the other ones. He was like literally fist pumping, like is unbelievable. And I'm reading things about it, preparing for our show tonight. Um, they had him much higher rated than where they got him. The fact that he dropped there on the board, Brian Flores mentioned a lot of statistics that don't uh, – invisible statistics, I think he called them, where like you don't see it. There's no stat line for it and what he does and how he impacts a game. And you're going to take him, Godchow, who's LSU, Christian Wilkins, who's Clemson, and now this Alabama Raekwon Davis, and you've got a rotation now of three guys that are just – fucking big nasties in the defensive line and it's just it's a great pick we've been saying for years sam we need to get our trenches in order that's where games are won and lost we're finally doing it anybody that has anything negative to say about all these interior linemen defense and offensively don't know football you got to build from inside out 
we got some playmakers. We got to get those trenches in, in order, and we got to stop big plays. And that's the philosophy we have to have in defense. And we did that by adding Raquan Davis. He had some bad numbers his, his last year. Look, two years prior, he had much better numbers. He fell off a little bit. He said himself he got cocky. He got confident. He said that uh, he was too big for his britches. He sees that. That's the first way of changing things is self-admitting it and he knows it he saw it he's going to come in with a chip on his shoulder being a late draft pick when he should have been higher and he's going to kick some ass you think you're going to put him next to christian wilkins that he's not going to be infected by christian wilkins mentality and attitude and not just go ahead and try to turn that up to the next gear i mean i yes. i can't imagine this guy's not going to be uh put around people like god and christian wilkins and not be like oh yeah i need to change my ways or up my game if i'm going to run with these two big fat you know uh, monsters here i mean it's just it's just natural it's that's what's going to happen and here's the other thing you know if Tua works out the way we think he is and Raquan Davis can get his head on straight both of these guys are Alabama projects if these guys work out I'm going to throw the gauntlet down right now I will forgive publicly I will forgive Satan himself Nick Saban if Tua and Raquan Davis turn out to be the pros that we think they can be especially with the draft capital we just spent on these Alabama talent that's what I'm going to say that's how confident I am in these two guys I'm willing to forget uh the devil or forgive the devil himself uh if these two guys work out Chris Sam, here, here's a quote that's – we'll end Raekwon Davis's, uh discussion on this quote right here. And if this doesn't show in words, in his own words, the chip on his fucking shoulder, this is the, – the nothing else will. He said when they asked what he plans to achieve in the NFL, he said he is aiming to be the 2020 NFL Rookie Defensive Player of the Year. Well, there you go. Like, are follow. you fucking kidding me? That's his goal? He wants to be the NFL Rookie of the Year as a defensive tackle. It, it, that's the biggest chip I've ever seen in my fucking life. Dip in some sour cream, Sam. I want all of it. Well, if you can, then dip the toes of Tim Bowens. He only has seven of them into that sour cream as well and lick those bad boys <laughs> off because Tim Bowens was a defensive tackle rookie of the year for those Miami Dolphins. Raquan Davis, call up your big fellow fat man, Tim Bowens, and try to figure out how you can be the rookie defensive player of the year because I would love to see that happen. But he's going to have some competition, not only from uh, Iggy up there in the first round, but from the next draft pick that the Miami Dolphins had in the third round, just 14 picks later. The Miami Dolphins were just up and down every single, all, all night long here, Chris. Uh, safety break. Brandon Jones out of Texas. Now, uh, again, a guy who maybe a couple people are scratching their heads as to why we would go and get this pick. Um, I like this pick. I think he's excited to be here. I think this is going to be a very solid uh, addition to the Miami Dolphins defense. I don't think he does anything super spectacular, in my opinion, uh, but he's going to be there. He's going to contribute. He's never going to uh, put you in a position where you're going to consistently lose because of him. I like Brandon Jones coming to the Miami Dolphins at pick number 70 in the third round. No, I like it a lot. 5'11", 200 pounds. Um, he's that type of guy where, um, like you said, you don't win or lose from him, but he reminds me of a lot of a guy named Rashad Jones. Okay, mm. so I'm watching his highlights over the weekend, and I had this week off, so um, we're doing kind of like an on-shift, off-shift, and I was off this week. So perfectly timed with the NFL draft, mind you. I was able to watch a lot of highlights of our new draft picks, and I watched a lot of Brandon Jones. This guy uh, plays center field. He undercuts a lot of passes. He watches the quarterback's eyes. But one thing that stood out to me, and this reminds me of Rashad Jones, number 20, is he is always in the box. They put him in a box a lot. He stops runs. He's constantly a great blitzer, a lot of sacks, a lot of QB pressures, things that reminded me of Rashad where you're more of a Swiss army knife than just like kind of like a center fielder uh, safety. This guy can move all around the defense, and and that's exactly what Brian Flores wants to do on his D. He wants to uh, keep you guessing. The offense cannot make adjustments. The offense cannot game plan for our defense because they don't know where Noah I is going to be. They don't know where Byron Jones is going to be, who also played safety. And if you notice a 
trend. This guy can be in the box. He can be over top. He can be in the inside on the nickel. I love the pick because it's another guy that played in the SEC. Uh, I'm sorry, the Big 12, you know, a big conference, um, big school that was under the lights, 100,000 people and rivalry games. Guys have been there. We need those guys. And I like this pick a lot. Well, he uh, he's the sixth pick that the Miami Dolphins made in the first three rounds. That's crazy. Uh, it is. It is crazy. And they weren't done yet. Day two ended with um, uh, the fourth round of that uh, of, the, of the NFL draft. And again, the Miami Dolphins go into the trenches. Again, the Miami Dolphins go onto the offensive side of the ball. And again, the Miami Dolphins go into the SEC when they get guard Solomon Kinley out of Georgia. Again, this is a guy that I think dropped for reasons that I don't know. But I love this pick, an interior lineman. Uh, the third lineman the Miami Dolphins picked in this draft in the first four rounds. Again, very similar to how Tua was the highest pick since Bob Greasy for a quarterback in the first round. The Miami Dolphins have never in the history of the modern draft used so much draft capital on offensive linemen like they have in this draft. I know we've used a lot of capital over the years in free agency trades as well as draft picks to try to fix this offensive line that never seems to get fixed. But they've never done it on this level, Chris. Between free agency and now the draft, the Miami Dolphins are spending so much time and energy to fix this offensive line. It's a plan that's coming together because they know they have a quarterback of the future that they need to protect. What do you think of the fourth-round pick, 111th overall? They traded up to go get this guy, mind you, Solomon Kinley out of Georgia. 6'4", 335. Notice a trend here, big mauling lineman. Sam, you get a quarterback with your fifth overall pick that has some injury concerns. What do you do? You put a fucking fortress in front of them. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. These guys are gigantic. They're huge. He was named a team captain for University of Georgia last year. Um, and one thing that stood out to me was Kirby Smart, his head coach at Georgia, did like a two-minute video after he was drafted thanking him for everything he did for the program, inviting him back out to, as a pro now, talk to his current players because he means that much to the program what he did for everybody his on-field off-field leadership everything that type of guy that you're bringing in at guard that that's massive that that's that huge that played in the sec at georgia again notice the fucking trend we are getting these guys that have played in big games big spots against big players and they're being brought in and their coaches are salivating over them nick saban came out to Jeff Darlington and, and mentioned today about Tua and Raekwon Davis and these guys that they're getting. He's glad the Dolphins got them. They're a great franchise. Kirby Smart doing a video. He didn't have to take the time to do that, and he did it. He did it for this guy, and this guy is a pick 111. And Mel Kuyper was saying he had him as like a second or third round grade. He had some ankle issues last year and didn't play in every game. Dude, he's voted captain, and Kirby Smart made a two-minute video about his leadership. This guy we're bringing on the team, we're changing the fucking culture of the Miami Dolphins, Sam, and I love it. Yeah, we are. And you know what? The Miami Dolphins uh, came into the draft with 14 draft picks, came out of day one with 15 draft picks overall. They traded a couple to get up to go get this guy. That's how much they think about him. As they said, we have to go spend some of this draft capital that we have and go up and get this guy, get the third offensive lineman in this draft. Uh, Their next pick, Chris, actually came at 154. But before we talk about the defensive lineman from North Carolina, the Miami Dolphins had a pick at 153, but they didn't use it to draft anybody. Uh, This is Mm. actually a draft pick that they used, that they acquired, actually, when they traded Kenyon Drake to the Arizona Cardinals last year. It was a fifth round pick and everyone was kind of scratching their head going, man, it feels like we should have gotten more for Kenyon Drake. Oh, well, we'll replace him with an early pick in the 2020 draft. That's not what we did. We took the pick that we got for Kenyon Drake and we turned around and packaged that back to the San Francisco 49ers, a rival of the Arizona Cardinals, mind you, mm-hmm. and went and got one of their talented running backs that got them, helped get them to the Super Bowl last year in Matt Breda, Matt Breda, whatever he is. Uh, he came to the Miami Dolphins. He's actually from South Florida originally. 
25 years old, uh, super fast, quick like a bunny. You're going to pair him with um, uh, the guy we just got out of the uh, out of the Eagles Jordan organization, Howard. Jordan Howard. Thank you very much. We now have a thunder and lightning combination, and we we spent literally a draft pick that we didn't even have, other than for trading a different running back uh, to go get him. To me, it seemed like a very Bill Belichick sort of thing. You have a disgruntled running back, fine, trade him for whatever. I don't care, and then turn around and take that pick and replace that same positional player with somebody else, and say I'll win with you or without you. It doesn't matter. I'm that good. It feels like something that we did just to shove it right up Kenyon Drake's ass. Matt Breda, now your running back combo along with Jordan Howard for the Miami Dolphins at pick 153. What do you think of that trade, Chris? Love it. It reminds me a lot of Damian Williams with us going to another team that knows how to use them, like the Chiefs. And we're going to take him. He was in a crowded running back room there with the 49ers. He's coming to a team now where uh, running backs out of the backfield catching the ball is very important, like a Patriots-style offense uh, with the Deion Lewises and things like that, where this guy's going to get some work. And he can catch. He can run routes. He's got a 4-3-40. He is uh, young. He has uh, got, a, and again, a chip on his shoulder because he didn't you know, run the running back room when he felt he should. He's very excited about coming here. Like you said, he's from Brandon, Florida, I think. So he's a Floridian kid. He's coming home. Uh, and we spent a fifth-round pick. And there's no one that was on that board at that pick at 153. That is good as Matt Breida. Like this nope. guy has already shown and proven himself. I'm sorry that 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 amounts for something. You can be great against Appalachian State. You can be great against North Carolina, but are you good against the Seahawks and the Raiders? And are you good against the Cardinals? I need to see that in the NFL. He's already proven that for four years, and we just got him for a fifth round pick. Up until this point. Fans were going crazy and flipping out that we hadn't drafted a running back yet. Like they were really going nuts and upset that we hadn't got anybody. We got this guy that's young, proven in the NFL for a fifth round pick. Are you fucking kidding me? What a move. I mean, they just killed this draft, Sam. Yeah, it seems like a plan B or a plan C for the Miami Dolphins. I mean, reports are coming out that we were talking with the Jacksonville Jaguars to try to get Leonard Fournette. Yep. Draft, uh, the draft, uh, I'm sorry, the trade. Demands were too high from Jacksonville. We moved on. Uh, we, we apparently were talking to the Los Angeles Rams about Todd Gurley. Uh, the demands were too high. We moved on. So you know what we do? We go and get Matt Breda for a fifth-round pick. Like you said, there's no one in the draft that's going to even touch him with regards to being a proven NFL talent, young, fast, can catch the ball out of the backfield. You pair him with Jordan Howard, and all of a sudden now you got a guy who can uh, – Average 5.3 yards per carry, catch the ball out of the backfield, and then when you need to go, uh, you know, get nasty at third and one, uh, you go ahead and put Jordan Howard in there and let him run between those big fat tackles that you just drafted ahead of him, and uh, there you go. Now it's first and ten, and you're moving the chains once again instead of bringing out your punter and punting that ball away. I love the pick, or well, I love the trade. I think it's the best value you're going to get at 153. Um, but we weren't done there, Chris. Like we already alluded to, we were on the clock two in a row. The next one is 154. Now, this guy's name is Jason Strobridge, and I'm not going to be honest with you. I knew about Jason Strobridge about three minutes before we picked him because they were talking about one of the best players still on the draft, and they were kind of surprised that this guy was here. But here he is, a Mac Brown disciple out of North Carolina. Chris, I'm going to go get another beer. You tell the citizens of Perfectville everything they need to know about Jason Strobridge. Well, I know, first of all, that he blocked a punt against the University of Miami last year, and it really pissed me off. But this guy is uh, – he's big. He, he's strong. He's, again, another uh, South Florida kid, Deerfield Beach High School, uh, 6'5", 285, fifth-round pick. Um, I, I love it. He played in the ACC, another big uh, – he's going against Clemson. He's going against Miami. He's going against Florida State. 
state. He's doing things uh, and, and making plays. A lot of people are talking about him being out of place. Maybe North Carolina weren't using him in the right way. They had him kind of inside on the um, inside technique, almost like a defensive tackle when really his strengths lied with uh, being in a two-point stance and um, rushing around the edge as a defensive end type player. So I, I like this guy a lot. It's it, Again, this it, is really falling into the same category as everything I've said about Brian Flores and what we want to do on defense. We want guys that are flexible. We want everybody to be a Swiss Army, Army knife. We can put this kid at defensive tackle. We can put him at defensive end. He, there's even times I think Travis Wingfield tweeted that there's times he he was in a um, uh, in a spy. He in was spy, spying the yeah. quarterback, like almost like a yeah, like a linebacker. Like this kid is versatile. He that and that's what we want. He's six five, two eighty five. He played. You know, in a big conference again against big teams and big players, and he can be moved around, and that's what we're doing right now. Like, if I was an offensive coordinator, I was playing against Brian Flores on paper. These guys that they've drafted and they brought in a free agency, and somebody said, "All right, well, who, where can we expect this guy to play?" I, I don't fucking know. He can play at middle. He can play at outside linebacker, weak side. He can play at D end. He can be blitzing. They can stand everybody up like they did at uh, in New England and just do this crazy blitz formation. They can do anything, and that's the thing that keeps them on their toes i love this pick uh you know what i don't love that i'm at a beer i went to go get more beer chris and i'm completely nice. out so uh you know not it's every like day is 20 your time how's that happen 522 well that's you know look we're all sheltering in place uh we don't start at five anymore with the drinking now chris we start a little <laughs> earlier in the day uh which means you run out a little earlier but not every day in perfectville is a sunny day apparently it uh it's 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 cloudy and dreary right now in the town of perfectville at least on the west coast of perfectville uh, but i agree with everything you just said about strawbridge i don't know what everything it is you said but i agree with it because you're a two-time hall of famer and you're a doctor and i wasn't listening but moving yeah. on to the next pick 10 picks later uh very <laughs> interesting pick here uh curtis weaver at of Boise State. I don't know if this guy's a defensive tackle, if he's a defensive end, if he's an outside linebacker, inside linebacker. Uh, I think Mel Kuyper actually hit it best. Uh, great football player, bad body. Because you look at this guy and he looks like he ate Tim Bowens, quite frankly, to bring back a guy that we talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, but he moves like Zach Thomas or or Jason Taylor. I mean, he's got a lot of athleticism to him and he dropped all the way to the fifth round, which I don't know why. Uh, this is a huge value pick as far as I'm concerned. He might be the biggest value pick in this entire draft, falling all the way to the fifth round, 164 overall. Some people had him going as high as the second round, Chris. Uh, what say you about Curtis Weaver? Yeah, he was in a lot of people's top 100 and we got him at 164. I don't know if he like you know, punted a toddler across the Boise State blue football field. But uh, for some reason, he fell to us, and I'll take it, dude. Watching his highlight tapes, I think he had like 13 and a half sacks, 9 and a half sacks, 11 and a half sacks the last three seasons. That's fucking insane. Like, he was like first-time All-American from Boise State. Who does that? Like, he's up there with like the Bosas of the world as Amer- All-Americans. Like, that's insane from Boise State. This kid is, uh, I think, like 6'3", 235, something like that. Um, yeah, looking at him, sure. Might be a little pudgy around the edges. He's not sh- shredded like Chase Young. But you know what? As a dude that went to like a Division two school, and yeah, I can only hit like 225 like six times at the time because I was not working out in the offseason. I really didn't care. I was just – playing on natural instincts because I was, you know, good enough to do that. He might be doing that. You get him in the weight room and, and then all of a sudden he's shredded and he's strong and he has those natural instincts. Who knows, man? You're at Boise State. Like you're in fucking Idaho. Like everybody 
thinks Boise State and they think blue football field and like the Broncos and stuff like the football team. You got to understand Boise, Idaho. That's where he was living. That's boring. He's eating potato soup like every day. You get him to South Beach. You get him. You get him out there with his teammates in the NFL. You get him in the weight room. And this value pick, like you mentioned, Sam, great, great verbiage for that. This is a huge value pick. Like Kim Wake was an undrafted free agent. This guy, we he fell to us. We're like, wait, I'm sorry. We had him in the top 100. He's almost to the 200th pick. How the fuck did he get here? And we grabbed him. So, again, another versatile guy that can move around with these dudes. Like, we're just building the trenches, and it's going to be hell on earth. Uh, honestly, I think Tom Brady saw the future, and he get the fuck out of the AFC East. Yeah, I mean, I, a couple things about Curtis Weaver. Number one, I think punting a baby is actually a pregame tradition for Boise State. So uh, he probably did punt a baby, but that's because he's a team captain. He was supposed to. Uh, number two, I think when this pick was announced, you heard – probably about 29 other GMs in the NFL uh, collectively say fuck because they were probably circling this guy with their next pick and the Miami Dolphins beat them to it and got him way later than he uh, probably should have gone. I feel like there's another shoe that's going to drop about Curtis Weaver before too long. I mean, there's no reason for him to be that far down in the draft, but he is. Uh, Maybe he's got an old injury that people wrote him off the board or something like that. I have no idea. But here's the other thing. This is my uh, painful prediction, if you want to call it that. And yes, I have not forgotten about the painful predictions. Chris did much better than I did. I have a lot of punishments that I have to you know, uh, adhere to. I get it. Citizens of Perfectville. But now is not the time okay shut the fuck up about the painful predictions um i feel that curtis weaver is probably the main reason why taco charlton no longer is employed by the miami dolphins i think he's that good i think they have that much um uh, trust in this young man that they said we don't need taco anymore we have ourselves a weaver uh so i think curtis weaver is probably the reason why we are having to say goodbye to perfectville or from perfectville to taco charlton chris but why is harris still on the team <laughs> that day is coming. I think that's going to be a public flogging. I don't think he's just going to be announced on Twitter and be allowed to leave the building. I think that's going to happen, uh, you know, in a public square where we're going to tar and feather that man so he can look exactly like Sasquatch after that. Um, but speaking of people being cut, uh, Curtis Weaver, if he is the reason why Taco Charlton got cut, and that is just me making a, a prediction, uh, the next guy drafted is the main reason why Tabor Pepper was uh, uh, cut. And you're probably wondering, well, who the hell is Tabor Pepper? Tabor Pepper was the long snapper who cost ageless John Denny his job with the Miami (laughs) Dolphins. And now, a year later, a friend of his, somebody he's known since he was a teenager, long snapper out of LSU, Blake Ferguson, is drafted in the sixth round, a long snapper, and cost Tabor Pepper his job. Uh, Circle of life, the Lion King never lies, uh, 100%. The, the direct result of Tabor Pepper losing his job is because Blake Ferguson was drafted by the Miami Dolphins in the sixth motherfucking round of the 2020 draft. How good was LSU last year that their long snappers getting drafted, Chris? Yeah, I don't get it. I, I mean, <laughs> how could you be better at snapping the ball like right to a guy's hands? Like I, I just John Denny, I guess, spoiled us because he's just on our team for 73 years. And we're like, oh, yeah, one long snapper should do it. <laughs> like, that's it. And now we've like replaced. You know, this is our third one now in like three years, and it's like, well, this doesn't make sense. Um, I don't know. Maybe Flores is allergic to peppers. Maybe um, Julius Peppers bullied him in, in, in like college or something. I don't know. But we got rid of him and brought in this LSU guy. I don't know if they just wanted to really add big school dudes in every pick so they can say they did. Um, but yeah, there's nothing. You look at somebody like Tabor Pepper and you're like, oh, that's a fun name. And then you replace him with Blake Ferguson, which is the biggest nerdy name I've ever heard in my life. So 
All right, he can snap a football. And, and the funniest thing, like you said, is that they're friends. I just hope Pepper um, lands on his feet, honestly, because he might listen to the show. This dude's done like an AMA on Reddit and stuff. Like he's a cool dude. Um, we, we do not poke fun. I, I wish you both could stay. Um, but we drafted we drafted long snapper in six round. Fucking who does that? Like I, that's what we did. I mean, how cocky are the five and twelve Miami Dolphins? Are like <laughs> we're just like we're gonna draft a long snapper. Fuck it. We already got everything. What do we not have? A long snapper? Fuck it. Have we ever even drafted a long snapper before? Has anybody ever drafted anyone, a long yeah. snapper before? I don't that's know. Like but let's try it. Like, see what Fromm was on the board, and I'm like, oh, Patriots are totally taking Fromm, and they picked a fucking kicker. The kick, the kicker. <laughs> like man yeah. they're allowed to be cocky us or i guess we just like fell off with us when they left the uh, patriots organization because we picked a long snapper at six when we are desperately in need of literally every position i feel like chris chris greer is a big fan of like weatherman or something and he's just like you know what would be great if we got a long snapper so when he fucks up i can call him turd ferguson and then uh, here he is right now you know that's that's what his nickname's gonna be turd ferguson that's actually saturday night live that's not even yes. uh Oh, you're okay, though. You know, Will Ferrell will still Alex Trebek in that. So uh, we'll let that slide. Yeah, we're going to let it slide. And, you know, I hope it doesn't slide was Blake Ferguson's snap as he goes through. His, uh, would it be great if we could keep both Pepper and Ferguson and we could just watch them in practice and they're just both in the squat, like throwing balls at each other's assholes, trying to make sure they're accurate <laughs> and just catch it right into the other guy's hands and he throws it they back. Each like, kind of- they each have a can on their lower back as they're bent over <laughs> and whoever hits a can first starts that week. <laughs> All right, new rule. We're going to be in in charge of the long snapping drills for the Miami Dolphins heading forward. I think that's a brilliant idea. (laughs) You're all welcome. That's great. Uh, You are all welcome. And you know who else is welcome, because he's probably saying thank you, is Malcolm Perry, wide receiver, I guess, out of Navy, seventh-round pick, uh, pick number 246. Now, this is a guy that we apparently swooped from the uh, New England Patriots here, Chris. Uh, Seems like a jack-of-all-trades, kind of to your point about, are you sensing a theme yet, Miami Dolphins, citizens of Perfectville? We want people that can do more than one thing, a Swiss army knife uh people that aren't afraid to go do one thing and then stop and then go do another unless you're a long snapper in that Except case then, Ferguson, exactly. yeah and just go just go you know shoot the ball between your legs super super far but everyone else you better learn another skill and malcolm perry brings a, a certain dynamic to the miami dolphins here again almost like a little bit of a luxury pick late in the seventh round uh, but a guy that was going to be drafted if not by the miami dolphins and somebody else including the new england patriots uh, what do you think of malcolm perry at a navy wide receiver love it Love this pick. I have it written on my notes here uh, in parentheses, Patriots, because Mm. you mentioned it, but I was going to talk about it. He was asked after the draft who he spent the most time with uh, in his pre-draft process, and he said the New England Patriots. This is Edelman's replacement. This is Edelman's – this that's who this was like Belichick had plans for this guy he is shifty he's fast he can run you make guys miss he had like more like 40 yard runs than anybody in NCAA last year like this guy is insane and if he can catch the ball and get him in space with William you know Preston Williams and Parker uh, on the outside with Gusecki at tight end put this kid in the slot or even in the backfield I mean the the options are endless of what we can do for him as a Swiss Army knife now yeah we're talking about a seventh round pick uh, 246th overall. There's a really good chance he doesn't even make the team. I get that. But um, this is like Pat White if Pat White wouldn't get hit. Like he's faster and shiftier. Like Pat White couldn't do that. Like he was good at that, but not like this guy. This guy was like Navy doesn't throw the ball a lot. <laughs> so he was basically a running back that just said hut. So um, you get this shifty guy out there in the slot. Uh, a lot of people know, obviously, this is almost like the Ryan Tannehill play receiver joke for the Patriots. Edelman was a quarterback at Kent State University mm-hmm. uh, and became a receiver for the Patriots. I think this is exactly what we're going for. And I'm excited to see him if there is a preseason and what he can do uh, from the slot.
I think the worst endorsement I've ever heard is he's kind of like Pat White. I mean, right now I'm just like, I hate him. Get him off my team immediately. Uh, but I know what you're talking about there. I mean, Malcolm Perry is a guy who, you know, look, we have 11 draft picks here. Okay. Uh, we had a lot of people that we, we took a long snapper before. We him. took I mean, a long snapper on. before Malcolm Perry. We've got a lot of wide receivers ahead of him. We also have, you know, a bunch of free agents that are going to make this team. And you also have some undrafted free agents that are probably going to give some of these guys a run for their money. It's very possible that this guy doesn't make, you know, the act of roster for the Miami Dolphins, but I'd rather him be here and possibly earning that yes. spot than going yes. to the New England Patriots or New York Jets or, or, or Buffalo Bills uh, where he would make the team and just crucify us twice a year for some reason. Even if he had two catches, it would be against the Miami Dolphins, guaranteed. Oh, yeah, of course. That's just the way it goes. That is just the natural uh, order of things. Hopefully we're switching that around because this draft was something different than we ever thought. Like, I mean, you're watching the reaction videos of the people when we took Tua and we're like, oh, my God, they actually did what we wanted. And we're taking linemen like we've been saying for years. Ryan Tannehill's pissing blood years ago because we get Billy Turner and Dallas Thomas as guards. And it's like we're finally getting the trenches fixed. And we're also adding a corner that goes with the corner we signed in Xavier Howard. We're building these building blocks that need to be in place. We're not just getting Ndamukong and Sue and no one else. We have to build things around this entire, there's 11 guys on each uh, uh, team out there on the field. And we're finally doing that. So hopefully we're turning this around. All right, Chris, we've just talked about all 11 draft picks here for the Miami Dolphins. We have not talked about the undrafted free agents, and we're not going to right now. But out of these 11 picks, and let's just take Tua off the board, because we already know that Tua is probably the favorite pick for everybody here. But if you take Tua off the board, you have 10 other picks that are here. Um, I want to know what your favorite pick was other than Tua, uh, quarterback, fifth overall in the first round. I'm going to go first. Uh, My favorite pick is actually Curtis Weaver out of Boise State. I think where we got him and for what his skill set is and what he can do for our defense, to get him in that fifth round is an absolute steal. And I love the fact that we got Curtis Weaver in the aqua and orange here for the Miami Dolphins. Curtis Weaver is my favorite pick outside of Tua, of course, uh, in the 2020 draft. Which one is yours, Chris? Um, So I have to pick one? Just one. Yikes. Um, All right. You know what? I'm going to go with this one. I really like Robert Hunt. I'll just say that because I'm cheating and I like Brandon Jones. But I'm going to – this is going to be – if he, this is going to be um, – I'm going to preface it with this. If he makes a team and obviously everybody gets giddy and excited within a week of the draft, we just talked about him. Malcolm uh-huh. Perry. Sam, look at the NFL. Look at Taysom Hill mm-hmm. from the yep. Saints. What they're doing with this guy – He's running the ball. He's throwing the ball. He's out of the receiver. Uh, the Eagles just spent a second-round pick on Jalen Hurts when they have Carson Wentz. Like, these offensive minds are – this is no longer a power eye. Fullbacks aren't even a thing anymore. Like, the, the offense in the NFL is constantly progressing and evolving. And if you can get a guy that can make your defensive coordinator just not sleep at night – and know what he's doing and know what to do. And you can throw, he can run, he can pass, whatever. That's why the RPO is such a big thing now because it's just causing these players that are just freak athletes to actually have to stop and think instead of just utilizing their athleticism to dominate the game. It's changing everything. And if Malcolm Perry can be what he looks like he could be on tape, he could be a Swiss Army knife weapon for us that – 
we didn't even realize we needed. Like he really could be something special. He really could. And this entire draft class has something to be uh, uh, proud of themselves for. And the Miami Dolphins and the citizens of Perfectville, you guys have been patient for a very long time. And this is the start of it. Now, I don't expect us to be Super Bowl yes. champions going into this next year. Again, we have to remember, this is a very young team. All of these people are rookies. We're still the youngest team in the league, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and this yep. is going to be a team that's going to build over time. So we may have to endure the Buffalo Bills being the AFC East champions next year. But the year after that, with if even half of these guys are worth their salt in terms of where we drafted them, and a couple of our free agents hit Chris, along with the people that we've already developed under Chris Greer and Coach Flo, this is going to be a team that's going to be a perennial playoff contender, assuming that everybody continues to stay healthy. I'm excited for what the future is. This has given me a lot of hope as a Miami Dolphin and a citizen of Perfectville. We've got our quarterback of the future. We've went out and drafted a ton of fat guys to protect him. We went out and continued to bolster the <laughs> defensive uh, backfield and make it as big and bad as we possibly can in a passing first league. That's something that we can't forget. We continue to build assets on the defensive line with Raekwon Davis and, and Jason Strobridge and some of these guys like Curtis Weaver. Uh, and we even went out and got ourselves a badass long snapper, I'm assuming. I don't know. But the point is the Miami Dolphins did exactly what we wanted them to do. And people are wondering why Miami Dolphins fans are giddy right now. It's because they went out and got that quarterback. They went out and got that offensive line. They went out and got a running back for cheap draft capital. They went out and got, you know, playmakers on defense. They went out and got more people for their defensive backfield. They went out and basically checked every single box that every Miami Dolphin wanted with this draft here, Chris. I, I give them uh, a remarkable grade. I mean, they get an A from me just for, for, for effort alone in terms of what they're able to pull off. I think they, they knew what their plan was a year ago. They started to execute it. And then come draft day, come draft weekend, they did exactly what they set out to do. Sam, I said in an earlier episode, a Hollywood scriptwriter couldn't write the script perfect, more perfect than this and what they did and how they handled it. Um, and one thing I will mention that you didn't, out of all that, all that optimism, we also have two first round and two second round picks next year. <laughs> like, are you fucking kidding me, Sam? I, I, I've always been the ultimate optimist for the Dolphins. I've also been a realist and know that we've just been not the best of teams. But Sam – 2016, we went to the playoffs, and I really honestly don't even think that team is as on paper good as this one. Like, there's no. Vegas has us winning one more game than we did last year. There's no fucking way we win six games. In that we had a band of misfits last year, and Ryan Fitzpatrick willed us half of the season with Preston Williams and then without him to the wins we shouldn't have won against the Eagles, the Patriots, things in the, there's just no way we only win six games. Sam, this team is on the cusp and I'm going to say it right now. I know the show's close to being ending within three years. We're going to be hoisting the Lombardi trophy. Well, now that is a painful prediction and I'm not no, going to put the, uh, I'm not, and I'm not going to put the, the punishment on Viola. there. I'm going to leave this to the citizens of Perfectville to, 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 to hold Chris accountable three years from now. If we do not have the Lombardi trophy, uh, then you guys should come up with a punishment for him because that is some strong, strong words there, Chris. But you know what? This has been a strong episode of Perfectville. This has been a strong draft for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? You didn't want to mention it, but Kirk Merritt, undrafted free agent. Look him up. This guy might be a game changer for us. Undrafted. There you go. There's a little bit of homework for all the students of Perfectville. Look up Kirk Merritt. We'll talk about the undrafted free agents on another episode of Perfect Phil, but I wanted to spend uh, the time necessary to go through all 11 of these picks here today, and we did that, Chris. Uh, on behalf of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network and the DolphinsTalk.com pod, uh, Podcast Network, uh, I am Sam Marcoux, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer, and all we have to say is goodbye from Perfectville. Later.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.